Now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Um, I was reflecting, Josh, it's been, I don't know if we've ever done a show just on notes, given that is our name, Notes on Your Notes. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, actually, you know what? I don't believe we've done a whole show dedicated just to notes. Uh, today could ever be everyone's lucky day. And, yeah. and how are you doing, by the way? I, we didn't do that. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I think it's very timely that we do a, a dedicated show about notes. And Adam, if you don't mind, please uh, share with people what that means that may not be familiar with that turn of phrase. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to start with like a story a little bit. So, so, so let me, I'm going to try to make this sound nice, even when it's mean. So sometimes... I've observed people give their material to read to other people, a script, a story, poetry, whatever it is. And they're like, hey, do you mind just taking a look at this for me? And there, are, there is so much loaded into that. And I have certain people I know that really just want to hear back, this is good. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. It can be lonely and difficult to be working creatively and it, to keep going it's sometimes helpful to know that uh, you, something is shaping up to be good, whatever good is, right? Mm -hmm. The downfall of that is that if you're just giving something to someone to read, to hear back that they like it and that you are a good whatever, writer, artist, musician, who cares? Mm -hmm. I just am like, just know, like set it up that way is what I would say. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say two things. One, set it up that way. So I would be like, hey, I'm just, it's a work in progress, but I'm just looking to know, like, what do you like about it? And, like, um, just been tough, but I'm looking for some support. And I will say, secondarily, one of the signs I think of development, maturity as an artist, we did an episode on maturing as an artist, is that I think you're actually genuinely curious about uh, how something feels to another person, what their response is, and you're open to considering those, their response and how you work on that project, which means like you're interested in working on that project and you're interested in potentially if they feel resonant with you, incorporating the quote unquote notes of someone else. So to define notes, I think of notes as literally sometimes the written notes on the page of someone saying, um, I, would, I love this part, this, I love these lines, I love the scene. Um, I was bored here, I wasn't engaged, or I didn't understand what the value of this scene is in the larger story. But notes are basically feedback on your work. And usually you're asking for them with an intention of writing a new draft, which is further development mm -hmm. of your story. Mm -hmm. So that's what notes is. And actually when we named the show, one of the things I think we were thinking about is that like notes are a conversation. So if Josh gives me notes on, a, on something I'm working on, which he's given me, I then sometimes will go back and look at his notes and be like, right, this is what I think about your notes. Um, and like, this is what I think about what we talked about. Cause it, it, it is at its best a conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Although often you just get written notes back and you don't, sometimes you get to have a conversation. I've, you know, sometimes you're lucky enough to have a producer on the other end of the line. He's like, this is not just the written note, but this is actually what I was feeling in this situation. This is what I didn't get about the story. This is where I felt it could be stronger. Um, this is where I think the character could make a more active choice. Um, this is where I felt, felt things were just happening to the character instead of the character choosing the story. So all these sort of notes you get back, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Does that, do you, does that feel right for you? Do you have anything to add? Do you think of it differently? Yeah, yeah, notes, notes, uh, a round of notes. Uh, it comes in the terms of performance, it comes in writing, and yes, when you get sort of a disembodied round of notes from someone, that's really challenging because you have to interpret what they mean by just the written note. And that's, that's you have to know the person. Here's my, my perspective on when people even start the process of asking for notes, which is first, the person, the person that you're asking, do you know their taste? Mm. Do you know their point of view? Do you know from which they come from? Because it's not to, it's not to say that, it, to discount their note, but it's to have a context of which the note is coming from. And, and that's important. The other thing which you already brought up is that thing of self-awareness. Am I really asking for a note or do I wanna have the thing of like, you're doing great, keep going, add a ball, you're almost there. Wow, I can't believe how amazing this is. I mean, it is important to, to be encouraged. It is important to have a balanced situation when you're, when you're giving and receiving notes um, because you wanna encourage certain things and, and discourage other things. Uh, and um, the other thing is, is when you do give, when you do give someone permission to look at your material and they say yes, and you know their tastes and you know who they are and you know what you're really looking for, is to ask them pointed questions, because that will help guide the uh, the conversation. Uh, you know, at what point did you drop out? Uh, how did you feel about the main character? Was was this scene believable? You know, what what did you feel about her response when he said blah blah blah? Um, where did you feel the turning point was in, in, the, in, the, in the play or the scene or et cetera? So having very specific questions uh, also helps to guide the conversation yeah. beyond it was good, I liked it. I agree 100%. And one of the, the pieces of advice that I've gotten in the past, which has been helpful, is to do exactly that. When I email something to someone, I say to them, this is what I want from you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I would like you to answer the following questions. For me, like the overarching thing I'm often looking for is when are you engaged and when are you bored? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, very specific questions like, did you find the character's journey believable? What, you know, like things like that. Like, and sometimes I will say to them, can you look at these questions after you've already read the script? Yes. Because I don't want to, I don't want them like, I don't want it to be a book report. I don't want them looking at those things because the person who ultimately reads what you got is not going to be reading it like a book report. They're going to be reading it like, do I want to read the first 10 pages, the next 10 pages after I read the first 10 pages? So, or the first five pages. So like, um, but yeah, that's, so like, yeah, setting it up is helpful. And if you're, if you're really not looking to make it better, um, or I don't want it to sound so critical, but if you're looking at it like, I really just need support right now, then that's okay, but just be upfront with that. Yeah, self-awareness. Actually say it. Look, you know what? This, I got my first draft done. Just tell me that I'm in the right direction. Just tell me that. Yeah, just tell me I'm going in the right direction. And maybe one thing that you would suggest yeah. I focus on, if yeah. you're up for hearing that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. And I think part of this is like, is that a lot of people like writing and a lot of people don't like rewriting. 
And that's kind of where this gets to is just like, at a certain point, I think most people I know have realized if they want to be a writer, a, like I would say 75% of their life is rewriting, you know, and, and, and like some people just realize they just want to do like creative riffing and this right. whole process of development is just too painful. And because it, it is, it is often not as fun. It can be enlightening when you're like, you crack the story and you figure out what it is. That can be a different kind, but it's a much slower, a much harder usually journey towards that for most people. So I, I, I break it down this way, long play and short play. You know, it's most people are really uh, happy with short plays. Very more, much more challenging to do a long play. In other words, it's fun to get up and riff it and be done with it and you get great response and you move on. Yeah. That was fun, let's do it again. You do it again, you do it again, you do it again. Eventually, if you're an artist and you wanna do longer, longer projects, you're gonna to need to be able to make it repeatable. You're gonna be able to uh, have, here's one of the things I've always noticed is, is that if you're working in a, in, a, in a world where it's a short piece, meaning it's, it's a five minute riff on stage, it's a, it's a one act play, it's, uh, it's an essay, there are less moving parts, there are less things to address, there's less threads to weave than if you're doing a screenplay that's 90 minutes, that if you're doing a novel and so on and so on, the complexities just go higher. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, and I'm glad you said that because I think we're, we're getting to the, the second part of this episode, which I think is the hard part, which is that like, when you get notes on long form projects, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people struggle because integrating those notes, taking that note and saying, okay, now this is how I want to change the story. This is how I want to rewrite the scene based upon this note, assuming this note feels true. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I even approach that? And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is the integration aspect. And most people don't have a process. And particularly when people take like writing classes or screenwriting classes, they, you know, they turn in work and they get these no- they get notes back, written notes, and it'll maybe prompt them to think about something, but they won't then really have a system for them saying, okay, how am I gonna completely rewrite the scene? And so that's something I would like to sort of get into, which is like, how do you deal with notes, you know? Particularly where you, as you would say, like a lot of the notes are gonna be results notes versus process notes. So let's even start there. Like, could you define for people results note versus a process note? A, a result note is literally giving you a result of something that the other person experienced it. It was good. I liked it. That's a result note. Right. I was bored. That's a result note. There's no process in it. A process note would be like, okay, I was right with you all the way until this moment in this scene. What does the character really want after you know f- for the rest of the scene? Because like at, when he when he started talking about um, uh, getting a divorce, I, I got lost because it didn't make sense to me anymore. W- w- what are you trying to communicate there? So that's me opening the door to to a process so we can jointly figure out what's really happening. That was at- really well said. I think very few people know how to articulate what you just did. And yeah. the most important thing about what you did just did is that like. For you, the note is the beginning of a conversation about what the character wants, yeah. who the character is, and what they want, and how is it then going to be reflected in their behavior. Yeah, because so. if you don't have that, if you don't have that, you're just like you're just doing my my personal opinion of the scene is this. You're not even taking into context who the character is, what do they want, what are the obstacles, and then the <laughs> old 
what the whole, uh, and then the overview of what the whole project is really about and how that interrelates to the through. I just said a bunch of stuff that's really complex, but, in, but, but we all know it intuitively, but that's how you break it down, but yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I guess what I would wish for people who are listening to this is just that like, when they get those notes back, their instinct is not to be like, is this good or is this bad? But like, what is someone else noticing that I can then begin to ask myself questions mm -hmm. about my story? You know, because it's very difficult when you're trapped inside your story, particularly when working on it three months, six months, a couple of years, mm -hmm. to know like what, you know, to see the forest from the trees anymore. And exactly. so, yes, yes. So you get really lost, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, but well, I wrote this outline and this outline said he was at this point in the story, he was going to lose his mother and it happened here because, and then he was going to go off to, to Europe to try to heal himself. And, and the person reading it is just like, but wait, I don't understand why he's doing any of this. Like, what is his motivation? Right. And like, like, and you're like, huh, but that's the story. Okay. So, so he, I, I can't say how, how excited I am when you share that. So here's the thing is that, the character is the character and the writer is the writer. And a lot of times the character will be smarter than the character needs to be or should be because mm -hmm. the writer has told the character what's happening. But if you're really the character and you really see it from the character's point of view through their eyes, they shouldn't know what the writer knows. And that's how we can go on the journey. So in notes, there is a very important distinction between a writing note or let me say it another way, a, write, a, a note that should be directed to the writer as opposed to a note that's directed towards the character. Mm. So how would you distinguish between those two things, like for an example? Like a writer's note, it's completely in the domain of the writer to pick where a scene starts and ends, and even what scene I'm selecting to, to move forward the journey of this story, this narrative, right? So, and that's the sense and sensibility of a writer. The character, the character who has the limited, limited perspective of only the character, the writer has the perspective of the whole thing, of the whole narrative. The character only knows what they know and wants what they want. And if they, and if they start to move on something that they really want, but the, but the writer tells the character, this is weird now, but, but if the writer then influences, the character now knows how the scene ends because the character and the writer are kind of like gray together. They're kind of been mixed up. Now the character is not going to really go for it anymore because, because the character knows that they don't win at the end of the scene, which is only the information that the writer should know, not the character. Yeah, I think this is part of what you're getting at is always understand that like the character has a limited point of view by design. Yeah. That point of view is compelling because as we watch a character on a narrative arc in a story, one of the things we're watching for is him or her sort of expanding and butting up against where their limitations are. Yeah. And if we know they're going to expand to this ending and the character sort of knows that, it'll mm -hmm. leak into the earlier in the story. And, and that's when you usually get like disconnects. Like, why is the character doing this here? Or I don't understand why suddenly this character decided to do this. It doesn't, it's out of character, right? And that's, mm -hmm. so sometimes those things happen. So let's say you get back your story or your script and it or, says- or, or, or the character's too smart. Like I run into that a lot when I work with people. The right. character knows too much. And it's like, no, the character can't know that. They can't, maybe they know that at the end of your narrative, not at the beginning and not in the middle. Right. You, know, you know what it really boils down to, Adam? Tell me. 
we spend our whole life trying to get out of trouble. Right? We get into trouble. People, human beings, we get into trouble and we try to navigate our way out of trouble. And when you're doing a narrative, you have to do everything in your power to get your character into trouble. And that's, the, and that's what's counterintuitive for human beings to work on narratives. Yeah, you have to also, like, particularly in the middle of narratives, you have to get your character seemingly to the point of making a better decision and then have them pull back. You have to see them constantly, like, failing and going down the wrong alley because that's what we want to see before they get to their, who we want them to become. Yeah. Before they, you know, defeat the bad guy and are a hero, right, in its simplest form. Yeah. Whatever defining hero is, sometimes the bad guy is an internal demon to, to conquer. But I want to go back to like the original complication of, which I think is this really hard to answer question, which is like, you get your notes back, mm -hmm. now what do you do, right? Like, how do you, t this is the core of the question, it's like, how do you take notes? And how do you integrate notes into writing a better story? And so I'm going to, let me just start with me, like how I deal with it, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But when someone gives me the notes back, like, I don't understand the motivation of your character, which would be actually a better note than this is good or bad, which is basically like, why is your character doing this now? Or this wasn't particularly compelling at this point, or um, this scene didn't feel like it really belonged or whatever, or um, the myriad of stuff that you get back, right? Or a lot of the notes now are like, this isn't moving fast enough, right? You know, this is slow. That's another note, like this is just, this is too slow, right? That's, That's a, huge a huge note right now because we're living in an age of infinite content where if you if things don't roll out very quickly, um, people don't want to read read the story, right? Like the patience level right now. But anyways, so that's a that's a very apropos note. That's you're probably seeing much more now than you saw thirty years yeah. ago. So and, and it's a complete result note, by the way. Right. So all of these notes, whether they're process notes or results notes, the question becomes like, and you're going to get a lot of results notes. How do you then begin this integration process of like? What do you do with it? I, and I would say for me, I begin, I always go back to the primary issue of who is this character and what do they want? And is this scene bringing them closer to what they want or further away from their, what they want? And what are they trying to get to from the beginning of the scene to the end of the scene? And then if that's still not doing it, I start looking at like the details of their lives, right? Like what are their dreams? What are their fears? What are, where do they live? What is their relationship with their family? What would they write in their journal? I start, well, I will go back to the development work a lot yeah. of the time to yeah. try to give me clues to what kinds of scenes they need to be in and who they might need to be up against. Yes. I also will say for me in my process, it's enormously, enormously beneficial to have someone I trust to talk these things through with. Yeah. Because no one can prescribe, the work, we didn't even talk about this, but sometimes people will try to tell you what to do with it, which is just like the worst thing ever, but I forget that people try to do that. Sure. The only person who knows the answer of what to do with your story is you. Yeah. And the only way it's going to write it is if you come to the realization yourself and then write that into the scene. So this is, and, and I, I imagine this must sound very broad to people when I say, okay, you get these notes back and like forget the note almost and start going back to like the basic development process that you went through to develop the story. And I don't think it always has to be like that. Sometimes it can just be within the scene. Like what is this character at this point in the story trying to get from this in their lives? Mm -hmm. And then what's the appropriate conflict in the scene for them? But sometimes you do have to go to foundational, particularly in early drafts, when you're like, you get these notes back like the stakes aren't high enough. Like such a common note to give, a broad note, mm -hmm. a common note, 
And it usually points to, um, I'm not that engaged because I don't think that there's that much, I don't really care whether your character gets divorced or not. It's really not a big deal. It's just, a, you know, you get these kind of notes a lot. And those notes, it really has to come to like, what is hardest for your character and what would be the thing that's gonna push your character the hardest towards their place of fear or their place of desire, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of how I approach that integration process. What, what is your sort of tack on that? Well, you talked about something that's very interesting, and we already did a whole show on it, so we'll point back to that, which is, uh, you know, the Henry IV or uh, Frank Underwood or whoever it is is the unlikely hero, and we are they're horrible, and yet we're rooting for them. Right. So a lot of times people will say, well, the character is not likable. Yeah. I'm not engaged. I don't want to see this person win. And it's not to say that every character has to be likable, but we have to have engagement. And that's a very interesting um, challenge. Yeah. So how, how do we see this evil monster at the beginning of House of Cards or King Henry IV or whatever it is, and they're just despicable and horrible, and yet we want them to win? Or we want to watch them downfall, but we're still engaged and we want to watch the downfall. And, you know, you're absolutely right when you say, who am I and what do I want? Those are the, those are the foundational things. And then to look at the, I would say, go macro and go, what's the ultimate through line for this piece? What am I really trying to talk about? And then I need to, and then look at the end and see how it ends. And then whatever the end is, I have to go to the furthest, furthest, furthest extreme on the beginning. Right. Otherwise, there's no, we have nowhere to go. And then, which is, and this is a very helpful question, which is why now, why today? We're, we're dropping into this character's life at a very specific choice point, a very specific uh, juncture in their life. And that's why people say, what, what's at stake? Meaning they're not getting a sense of like why we're engaged with this character at this time. Sometimes I think of it in terms of like, what is compelling to me about this character? Yeah. Like I go back to that, like, why am I writing about this character in the first place? What is fascinating to me? And what is the conflict that's going to happen internally and externally to them that's going to make them even more interesting? And I want to caution everyone by saying it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not about, it's not about like, um, you know, triple somersaults or, or becoming world-class wrestler, you know, of, of the year. Uh, Death of a Salesman, Arthur Miller, is about a guy who's a traveling salesman who's about to, you know, retire. You know, and he's having conflict with his wife and his kids and his, and his mortgage payment. I mean, that couldn't be more mundane, but we're riveted and it's been playing for how many years? 50, 60 years? Why do you think that that is riveting? Why do you think that that plays riveting? Because it's every man's story, every person's story. It's like, did my life make a difference? Am I here? Ultimately, what happens is it, just, do I need to say spoiler alert for, for Henry? Uh, for, Henry Miller. Uh, but basically, basically, you know, he commits suicide at the end. And because he realizes that he's worth more dead than alive. Mm-hmm. And, and that touches the morality of all of us because we all have that contemplation. Yeah. Should I, you know, Hamlet, uh, to be or not to be. And, and when you get to the point where you feel like your life, you're worth more dead than you are alive. What is that about? Yeah. And, 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 he, and then you put it into the, into the, 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 the milieu of, uh, of, a, of a salesman who's traveling the world just trying to make money and, you know, and then the irony of, of that he kills himself so that his wife can have the house because they're only two, you know, payments away from owning the house, but then he won't be there. Mm. 
And these are all the questions that everyone asks themselves all day, every day. It's like, yeah, there's this core feeling of desperation in that play, which comes down to, do I have any value? And has my life had any value? Yeah, exactly. Um, which I think a lot of people relate to a very human question. I saw Brian Dennehy in Death of a Salesman when I was in college. Uh -huh. It was, and it, you, you had that like deep sense of anger underneath it all. Mm -hmm. And so to get back to like the original, to, to what you were saying, like, yeah, like, I would argue that even though it's mundane, the stakes are very high. They're, for him, for his character. Yeah. Right, because he's totally bought into this thing that, that if he doesn't do X, Y, Z, he's gonna lose the house and his wife won't have any place to live and his, and his, and his sons hate him or whatever it is. Right. And so that's, that's, it's a choice point. He gets to a choice point. Either, either I give up the house after, I'm, it's like I'm so close to the finish line, right? He's so close to the finish line, yet he doesn't cross over. That's why it's a tragedy. Right. So for people who are getting notes back that say, you know, like, I'm not sure if the stakes are high enough in this story. What are the stakes? Right. Is the character leveraged to the point where they're at a choice point? We talked about, we go to the choice point episode to find out more about that. Are they, and it has to be like a choice point, like, it's now or never. And, and the character has to feel that emotionally because technically we could step back and go, oh, well, they can just go to a three-day loan place and get that taken care of, no problem, right? But that's intellectual. That's not putting yourself in the shoes or looking through the eyes of the character in that moment because in that moment, the character doesn't see options. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And like, um, and I think when we think of stakes, what you're saying is important, which is how do we view stakes through the lens of the character and not the lens of what I think the stakes are. Right, not so, the writer. Not the yeah. So you could take an example of like a self-conscious teenager um, who doesn't want, you know, let's say, I mean, doesn't want her wrists to be seen because she, had a, she at one point tried to kill herself and she has scarring there. For her, wearing a short sleeve shirt could be the whole you know, it could be life or death emotionally to her, right? Yes. So, you're right, and to someone else, wearing a long sleeve or a short sleeve shirt could be meaningless, right? So it's always like, what is really valuable to the character? Mm -hmm. And if you paint the character efficiently, <laughs> where we can really see, we enter that in a world, in a world, because you, that character is living in a world where they're 12 years old in junior high school, and that's their entire world. Right. If you can paint that picture for us so that we enter into that world, we will feel all the expansion and joy and all the defeat that the character goes through in their daily life. And if you don't do that, then we'll just step back and go, well, why don't they just get a long sleeve shirt that looks good on them? Right. So I want to close on one final thing, which is to see this from a little bit of a different perspective, which I think we'll do another episode on. But like, I, one of the things I have worked on in my life is trying to give, give better notes. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, um, a lot of like, people's notes are results notes and they are just like good, bad, bored, not bored, which I think is fine. I actually don't think results notes are in the world, but like what would your advice to, to people be about being a better creative partner to someone who's asked for your help, right? Because that's essentially what someone's asking when they say, you know, when I, when I go out and I, you know, I choose carefully who I ask to read my stuff, but I'm really asking for their help. And so, and similarly, like when people send me stuff, I view it as trying to be of service for them and I'm trying to help them. And so like, I guess the question is like, what's the most helpful way to help people? Well, everyone has their own way. And 
you know, what's missing in our culture is people asking really good questions and then listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I need to listen to where you're at in your process. If I'm going to give you helpful, effective notes for you, I need to listen to where you're at. And then I need to balance that with, with, with what I perceive as the reality of where your project is. Yeah. Because that has, you know, I, I have to get to a reality. Like if your reality is so far afield of my reality after reading your piece, then we have to have a reality check. Right. So I guess the first thing is, is to ask really good, the way to give good notes is to ask really good questions about what it is that the writer's working on or working towards or the actor or the presenter. Right. Ask, you know, what's up for you? What areas are, are, are a problem for you? You know, what are the upsides? What are the downsides? Show me your best scene. Show me your worst scene. Uh, I feel like those, those approaches, finding the reality base and then giving notes based on, on, on where, the, where the project is and where the artist is in that moment. Yeah, and I think like what I've heard about like the best book editors, one of the things that's said about really good editors is that they were able to see the writer's vision. Mm -hmm. I think it speaks to that. It's like really people who give great notes, they are taking the piece on the terms of the writer and they're trying to help the writer figure out, okay, what's the best version of this story? Not, can we turn this into a paranormal romance because people really like making those right now? You know, like, can I, not can I make this my vision, but can I see who, what is this unique perspective? And then within the, within the reality of that perspective and that story, how do I make this the, the greatest story ever? Because if that's true, like, you can then give notes to any genre, right? Like, I think about this, like, I don't know anything about horror. I know nothing about the horror genre. I have no judgment of it. It's just never something that has interested me. But I would hope that if someone brought me a horror script, I could try to like, at the very least, hone in on the character and the story and try to help them like think through what would be the greatest and most compelling version within the, of these characters and the story within the world of horror, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is my ideal for myself. And so like, I think setting it up that way in a conversation that says, hey, look, like, what were you trying to accomplish here with this story? Like, what was the, like, what was the impetus? What got you excited about writing the story in the first place? Yes. You're like, oh, well, my father left a journal after he died. And I thought about how sometimes we communicate through generations, through writings of others. And I thought that would be cool to do in a movie. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Um, I want to, I'm going to say another thing is like, I think sometimes starting out, it's hard for people not to give results notes. So I'm going to make this suggestion follow up your results note with a question. So if you're saying like, mm, I wasn't right quite sure why the scene was here and I was bored, follow it up with like, what at this point in the story, what is like the hardest thing for your character and what do they want the most, right? So you kind of pair it with like, look, I'm checking out here, something's not working. Let's not stop there. Let's then go to the next step of saying, how can we, let's talk about, you know, what's actually going on here. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of the character, right? Yeah. So I think that is a helpful habit to get into. I think it's I think it's great. And also, I want to I want to talk about the other side, which is beware of the writer wanting to be fixed. Oh because, yeah, you get yeah. that a lot in your work, where they bring you material and they say, "Fix it for me, Josh." Fix it for me, and you really, I mean, sure, some. You can do that, but it, it's at it's you know you're you're neutering the growth process for for the writer in that time. 
because you're not allowing to, to have the pain to go through the growth process in order to get to the new development. And so just know that if you do choose to pick to work with someone like that and they do spoon feed it, there's a price. Yeah, you as a writer will not necessarily um, to become empowered to fix things yourself. Right. It's sort of the problem with that. The other thing is just to say, like, this isn't done in the world of prose, typically, but it's certainly done in the world of film and TV a ton when people's scripts get rewritten, right? Yeah. There's yeah. actually there's this movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and, and Jonah Hill, and it's one of the few movies out there where there are two totally different scripts floating around the internet that you can read, and one of them is... Aaron Sorkin's script, which was what they made it from. And another one is, um, I think it's Steven Zalian's script, but like the openings are completely different, right? And both of those writers got paid to write that script. And I like reading it because I'm fascinated. I'm like, oh, this is how this person thought about telling the story that was differently. It didn't get used. I don't know, I'm not gonna make a judgment on if it's worse or better. But from a process perspective, what happens is like, someone probably sends that script to the next writer and he's like, Oh, well, I'm just going to try to rewrite this and fix it. Yeah. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes, and this is super common in Hollywood. I would say the better rewrites are when people go back to page one mm-hmm. um, and they start saying like, I'm going to look at what other people have done, but I'm going to start and think about from the beginning, what is the story about? Yeah. The other thing I would warn people against is, is having that thing of you should, you know, you know what you should do? I'll tell you what you should do. This is what you should do. This will make your piece better. And just those little phrases, you know, at the beginning of sentences. That's There's a lot of like, I was talking to a friend today and he's like, yeah, I got a note back from a production company that's like, we need a stronger antagonist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, it's, it's tough. Like it's tough at that level because it's like, he has to please someone, but at the same time, it's exactly what we're talking about. You should do this with your story. Yeah. I'm used to seeing a strong antagonist right here. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's everything. It's everything we've said. We'll do more episodes on notes, giving notes, taking notes, integrating notes, because I think it is, you know, certainly the core of a lot of what we do and what your career has been and trying to do it well and how to try to integrate well is, is really important. I also want to, I just want to say that, that there is no, there is no other in the sense of, you know, it's real easy to go into predator prey, like, oh, poor me. I'm just a little writer. I'm trying to do you know, knock this out. And this evil person gave me these horrible notes. And now I can't write anymore because I'm just, you know, disordered. And, and we really need to take, we, the creatives, need to really own our creative process and not, and not set ourselves up for those experiences. Because a lot of times we set ourselves up for those experiences, having, having the bully come in and tell, blue, 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 you should, you should, right? Sure. So, uh, like sometimes you have to stand up and own your vision and say, like, these notes aren't right for me. Yeah, or, yeah or, or, or how come you're even, like, which is the one thing I shared in the beginning, which is, who are you giving your, your piece to? What's their taste? Do you know what I mean? It's like really owning that and become self-aware of like, is this really a person that I want to take notes from? That's a great, I think that's a great thing. I'm so glad you said that because I had a writing teacher when I first started trying to write future scripts who was extremely negative. Mm-hmm. And it really set me back because I, I thought somehow that they knew more than I did. And it's not that they didn't, they did. But what they didn't know was how to help a young writer in an introductory screenwriting class, right? And a lot of, I mean, there's just so many issues. Like there's the person's perspective on themselves and how much success they've had, their own resentment about the world, what they believe they deserve, 
them taking out their self-criticism on other people. So just be mindful. In my experience, when I'm working with really good people, they're giving me really constructive, helpful feedbacks. And I feel like it's coming from a place that wants the story to be its best. Not that they're tearing me down. It has, yes, I agree. It's all about expansion contraction. So, you know, looking at that thing of like, you know, it takes, it takes a certain kind of sensibility from a person to know, oh, this person needs expansion right now. This person really needs to get some yeses so they can keep going and keep running the marathon. Yeah. And sometimes I, I need to come or someone needs to come in and give an, uh, going, look, you, you have to change your shoes right now. Or otherwise you're not going to finish the, the marathon. Right. You know, and both, both are important. And it's also the timing of when you give what you give. Right. There's a lot of moving parts, and this is a this is a big topic. So this is a big topic. This is an introduction to this topic. We will do more. We have so many ideas about how to show you how to do this more effectively in your own writing and how to work with people. Uh, if you liked what you heard today, go to the iTunes store and rate us. Give us any rating. Five <laughs> stars, but I'm gonna say you know what? Just throw it out there. Just just rate us. Period. Um, tell us what you really think. We're open to notes. Uh, and. You can go like us on Facebook and Instagram to get all of the updates on future episodes. And finally, send us an email, notes in your notes at Gmail, or leave us a, a voicemail, 415-735-6095, with a question you'd like a show on, and Josh and I will do it. We are um, out and about these days, not always in the same place, but we are always working on the show. Uh, so let us know. The sound on the show today is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the design and edit is courtesy of me, and we'll talk to you next week.